Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Jesus. Pray for, um, while I'm thinking of it, Sister Sharon Barton, sick this morning and not able to come to church. Let's remember her and Sister D. Uh, Hartling also, okay? Be in prayer for both of them for God's touch upon their lives. Just lift your hands one more time and love the Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. You are awesome. You are wonderful. Oh, we give you glory and honor and praise today in this house. Oh, you are the Lord and the head of your church. And we honor and exalt you today. Give you all the glory that is due your name. Hallelujah. Thank you for visiting with us today. Holy Spirit, for filling this house with your presence and with your glory. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged, says the Lord. Be encouraged. For this is a day of darkness and a day of despair and discouragement in this world in which you live. But I am still in control, says the Lord. I am in control of your life as you place yourself in my hands and look to me and trust me Just remember continuously that there is no weapon that is formed against you that will be able to prosper. I have my hand upon you, says the Lord. I am guiding and directing your steps as you are yielded to me. Be encouraged for your victory is near. Your total victory is near. Reach out and claim it and receive it today, says the Lord your God. Hallelujah. Well, praise Him today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Oh, Holy Spirit, we love you. Well, shake a couple of hands before you're seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. Miss Leona and worship team, thank you all so much.
Well, praise the Lord. Amen? Woo, I feel good in my soul today. I'll tell you what. Amen. You ought to feel good today. You are in the right place today. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Thank you, Jesus. I want to announce, too, there will be youth tonight for our youth. Sister Denise is going to be doing youth tonight, and uh, there will be a prize if you bring a friend, okay? So if you bring somebody, there'll be a prize. So we encourage our youth to come tonight and uh, be a part of that uh, youth service and bring somebody with you, okay? Amen. All right. Uh, Do you have your Bibles with you today? Amen. Either a paper Bible or a digital one. Amen. Go to the Gospel of Mark with me this morning, the sixth chapter, Mark chapter 6. And uh, we are going to begin today with about verse 30. I think I gave them 34, um, but I think I'm going to start with 31. I don't want to throw anybody off, but if you got your Bible, will you follow along? Mark chapter 6. And verse 31, and we're going to be talking to you today about lessons, some lessons from the loaves and the fish. Anybody ever get any lessons from loaves and fish? Well, Jesus performed a miracle by, by multiplying some bread and some fish to feed a multitude of people. And we are all very familiar with that miracle that he performed, but there are some lessons I believe that this miracle teaches us today as well. Not only that God can provide for us, which we know He can. He can take a little and make it into a lot. Amen. But there's there's just some great things that we can learn from this uh, miracle of the loaves and fishes, some lessons. So uh, let's go to verse 31 in Mark chapter 6. It says this, And He said to them, Jesus said to them, Now the disciples have just, we, we preached a couple of weeks ago about the disciples um, receiving, the, uh, receiving the commission from the Lord to go out and preach and heal and cast out demons, how Jesus replicated His ministry in their lives. And uh, these 12 had went out and they had been on a preaching tour and campaign and so they come back now to Jesus and they... They, they told Jesus all the things that, that they had done and what they had taught and the results of their evangelistic crusades. And it says that he said to them, Come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. So he's telling them, You need to, you need to go on vacation. All right? For the, <laughs> I, I, pastors love this verse right here. Amen. For, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so as much to eat. And it's even more so that way now that we have cell phones and things and text messaging. But anyway, anyway, they were going. Jesus said they, they, they needed to get away uh, and have a, a, time of, a little time of R&R. And so verse 32 says, And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. When I read that, I said, Huh, they went on a cruise. They went to a desert place by ship. <laughs> and the people saw them. Uh, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of the cities, and outwent him, and came together to him. And Jesus 
When he came out, saw much people, and he was moved with compassion toward them. And he's still moved with compassion toward you and I today. Because they were his sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Jesus answered and said to them, Give ye them to eat. You give them something to eat. Praise God. And they say to him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Or are we going to get enough to feed this group of people? And Jesus said to them, well, how many, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, five and two fishes. And John's gospel stresses the fact that they said two small fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. Amen. Not just enough for a little bite for everybody, but they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. And uh, they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. And some of the other gospels then also said besides women, their women and the children, the wives and the children. So uh, conservative estimate, what? 15,000 people altogether probably were there. But there were 5,000 men, 5,000 families pretty much that were fed here. But I want to talk to you about those lessons from loaves and fishes. Father, we thank you today for your spirit, for the Holy Spirit that is definitely here in this service today. Oh, thank you so much for your anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I ask for that anointing today to help me to minister your word, to preach and to say what you would have me to say to this congregation. Open our hearts, open our ears. Let us be receptive of your word. May the seed of the word of God be sown and fall on good ground today and bring forth an abundance of fruit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Our God, listen, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know here. But our God is an awesome God, isn't He? We sing about it. We sing about Him this morning, about how awesome He is. He is grand and He is glorious. And He is the God of all creation. He stood, the God that you and I serve today, stood in the middle of nothing and took nothing and created everything. He's, there's no question that, that our God is a God that specializes in the spectacular. He majors in the miraculous and He operates in omnipotence. That's the God that you and I serve today. 
the very God that's visiting here with us in this service this morning is the creator of the universe. And He is a God that does move in big ways. And He does great and mighty things. And I don't think there's a a question there about that at all. Because He moves in big ways. But you know, the same God that we serve today can also take that which is very small. He can take that which is insignificant and take that and do something great with it as well. See, God can take what you have, what you and I have and are willing to give to Him and yield to Him. He can take what we have and turn it into what we need. He's a a big God who is also the Lord of the little things in our life. He can take care of your big problems, but He can take that which is little and insignificant and do great things with that as well. Can I get an amen? And so that's what we see here in this miracle of the multiplying of the loaves and the fish. And this this miracle that's recorded here in Mark is a special miracle because it's also the only miracle that Jesus performed that um, that is repeated in all four Gospels. Every one of the Gospel writers gives this miracle and tells of this miracle in their Gospel. And so there are some lessons that we can learn. It's it's an important lesson. So obviously, it's an important miracle. So obviously, Jesus and the Lord are wanting wanting us to know. He's wanting us to know some things and, and, and teach us some things from this miracle. So as we look at this miracle, how that the Lord takes five little biscuits, barley biscuits and two little bitty sardines, amen, and takes those, that little meager amount of food and takes it and feeds 15 to maybe even 20,000 people to where they are all filled up and have had plenty to eat and then gather up 12 baskets full of leftovers, amen. They start out with five five biscuits and two little fish and, and, and wind up and end up with 12 baskets full of food. They ended up with more than they started out with. And so that's the way the Lord is. That's how God is able to work and do things in our life. Amen? He is a big God. He's a powerful God. He's a mighty God. And so there's something that we can learn. One of the lessons that we learn from this miracle is first of all that there is no problem that is too big for God to solve. Amen? There is no problem that's too big for God to solve. Here these people have a problem. Um, There's no food. Uh, that, they, that there's no food and there's nowhere for them to get any food. And these folks had followed Jesus. Jesus' his disciples, as we read there, had got in a little, a little ship and they had sailed across, just cut across the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee to go to a place where they could kind of have some rest and relaxation, a desert place, the Bible says, to uh, just, just relax and to, to recharge their batteries from a busy time of ministry. But when the people saw them leave, I mean, they wanted to be where Jesus was. So they they took the shoreline and they all ran the shoreline for several miles to get to where Jesus' boat was going to land. So when he gets to where uh, he's going, there is a great this great crowd of people and the crowd continues to go. Uh, to grow, and Jesus gets out of the boat and his disciples and 
And I can imagine the disciples, I know how they are. They probably said, well, Lord, are we not going to get any rest at all? But the Bible said Jesus had compassion on the multitudes and he began to, to, to minister to them and he began to teach them and he began to heal their sick. And, and uh, that's what Matthew's gospel said, that he ministered to those that were sick. And so, you know, he spends this entire day, Jesus does, ministering and teaching these people and the, the, the time is getting away, the hour is getting late. And so, you know, the disciples are getting hungry, you know, and uh, they haven't had anything to eat, and it's, it's about dinner time. And so they come to Jesus, and they tell Jesus, you know, they want Jesus to send this crowd away. Said, Lord, it's getting about dinner time. The hour is late. Send them out to find them something to eat to some of the neighboring villages so they can get them some food. Because they're in a desert place. They're in a place where there is no food to be found. There is no wall. Mark, there is no schnooks, amen? There isn't anything like that around for them to get anything to eat. And so, so here they have no food at all. And the, the, the disciples tell the Lord, Lord, you've preached long enough. I've, I think I've heard that before. Lord, you've preached long enough. Dismiss this service and let these folks go find some food. And really they were saying, we're a little bit hungry ourselves. We could use something to eat too. And, and so Jesus, when, they, when, they, when the disciples, you know, ask him about send them away or want him to send them away and, and, and give, give, give so they can find them something to eat, Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. You feed this multitude. You give them something to eat. Well, you know, when Jesus said that, I mean, I can just see the response of these disciples. What are you talking about? Us give them something to eat. I mean, you know, in Mark's gospel, it said, you know, what, what are we going to do? Go try to find a store somewhere and, 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 use, and buy them. There, there's 200 penny worth of bread would not be enough to give all of these people even a little bit. When, when you read the the parallel gospels and the harmony of the gospels John talking about this incident said that it was Philip you know that said to Jesus it was Philip that said to, or Jesus said to Philip you know where shall we get bread that these may eat and, and, and it said that Jesus said that to Philip and the disciples just to, to test them. He wanted to see what they were going to say, what their answer was going to be. Sometimes the Lord will test us just to see how we respond or see how we react or see what we're going to say or what we're going to do. What Philip and these disciples, is, what their response should have been, well, Lord, you're the miracle worker. You are to be able to supply the need. But Philip... When he, when he heard that, he was the one that actually said, when Jesus asked him that, he was the one that actually said, well, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone would have just even a little bit. See, Jesus was just testing Philip because 200 penny worth was almost a whole year's wages. And so for a laboring man in that day, and so what he was saying was if we had just a whole year's wages here, there wouldn't be enough for just to buy enough bread for everybody just to have a little bit. And so Jesus was wanting to 
teach Philip and the disciples a lesson here about God. And the lesson that Jesus was teaching them and the lesson that Jesus wants to teach you and me today is that there is no problem too big for your God to solve. Amen. Not a problem too big. It was, it was, and I've brought this out before, but when Jesus, when Jesus asked Philip that, it said that, it said that Jesus knew in himself, already knew what he was going to do. So there's no, there's no problem too big for God to solve. He already knows what he's going to do in your life before the problem ever gets there. And there is no, you got to understand, I think it was, I don't remember, I think it was Corey Ten Boom that said, there is no panic in heaven, only plans. And God always has a plan for you and for your situation no matter how desperate it may seem or how impossible it may seem to be. Whatever you may be going through or facing in this life can I assure you today that God already knows what he's going to do and he already has a plan to take care of your dilemma and he already has a plan to take care of your need before the problem ever arises before the enemy ever attacks, God has already got a plan on how he's going to bring you out and bring you through and give you victory in the midst of that situation. Amen? He's already got a plan. He already knows what he's going to do. But here was the thing with the disciples, and they were so much like you and I are. But these disciples, you know, they already had it all figured out. How, uh, how it was going to have to be done. And they already figured that it would take at least a year's way just to buy enough food to feed this multitude of people and that it would only be enough for everyone just to have a little bit. So they had their calculators out and they were figuring this all up. Philip was and some of the others standing around, you know, and they were talking it out and they were trying to figure it out. And they calculated, you know, even if we had a nearby store and if they had the money, then the need could be met. And uh, if we had this, and but we don't have that. Doesn't that kind of sound like us sometimes? Boy, if I had this and I didn't have this problem and if I could do this. And we're always trying to figure things out about what we can do with what we don't have. Come on, somebody. Amen? But you know what? They left one detail out. The same detail they left out is the detail that we leave out. In all of their figuring and all of their calculating, they left out that one little detail from their equation, and that was God. You've always got to figure the Lord in your equations. When you're trying to figure uh, out how to meet a need or you're facing a problem or you're facing a situation, you've always got to figure in the Lord because He has, is the one that has the answer. Amen? They were in, listen, they were in the very presence of the Lord of glory, just like we are here today in this service. They were in the very presence of the Lord of glory, but they didn't even believe that he could handle this situation that they were facing. 
They thought that what they were up against was an impossibility, and it was an impossibility, but that's what God specializes in is impossibilities. If you can work it out yourself to where you don't need God, then it's, not an, it's possible for you to take care of it. But when it's not possible for you to handle it, and it's not possible for you to take care of it, then you've got to look to the God of the impossible. Amen? And that is exactly what he is and who he is. He is the God of the impossible. And so this situation to them was an impossibility, but these disciples who had just come off of a, of a, of a preaching tour, a healing tour, they, were see, they saw demons cast out, they saw people healed, they saw people saved, they saw great results, and here they are now not acting in faith. Here they are saying in so many words, Lord, this problem's greater than you are. Now by their actions and the way they were behaving, that is what they were saying. That Lord, well, yeah, I know we got this problem, but it's greater than you are. And we don't really even think that you can handle it. We know you've done some miracles, but this is really too big for, you know, we've seen you do some things, but I, there ain't no way that you can take what little bit we have and feed this multitude of people. And we get that same idea sometimes. Don't look at me so sanctimonious. We get that same idea sometimes. Well, I know, you know where we want to put a limitation on the Lord, but can I tell you something today? Abundant Life Family Church, that if our God can create this universe out of nothing, if He can hang the earth upon nothing, if He can measure the oceans in the palm of His hand, if He can keep Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fiery furnace, if He can take care of Daniel in the lion's den and make a way, a highway through the Red Sea, if He can feed six million Jews, for 40 years in the wilderness with some manna from heaven and if he can defeat sin and defeat death and defeat hell and the grave and defeat the powers of darkness with an old rugged cross, I'm telling you, he can take care of you in your situation. Hallelujah, there's no problem that our God cannot solve. He is the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Amen? Woo, hallelujah. Jesus said, feed them. You feed them. So they immediately begin to look at their resources. And they said, we can't. This problem can't be solved. But Jesus, you know, he had been healing the sick all day. They had saw the mighty manifestations of God's power. They should have known that Jesus could handle the situation. But they missed it, see? And here was the thing. Here's the thing that they did. They, all that they could see was the natural need and the natural supply. And the natural supply for the need was insufficient for the need that they had. And so all that mattered at the moment to them was the obstacle that stood before their eyes. They were not seeing past. Hope I'm making this a little bit clear. Probably clear as mud to you, isn't it? 
they were seeing. They, they, they were not seeing past the obstacle that was before their eyes. They weren't seeing with their, with their, with their spiritual eyes. They were seeing the situation in view of their natural, what they could see in the natural. And so they were looking at the problem and they said, well, we don't believe that, that, that you can handle it. And listen to me, saints of God. When, when we get in that place, see, that's not believing. That's not faith at all. When we act like these disciples did and we look at the problem instead of the problem solver, see, and that's what we do. When we get focused on the problem instead of the problem solver, amen, then we can experience expect nothing but failure in our situation. Well, so, you know, I'm not saying problems aren't real. Yeah, they are real. But we so many times focus on the problem and we talk all the time about the problem and we meditate all the time about the problem and upon the problem and we forget all about the problem solver. And your Jesus today is a problem solver. Hallelujah. Amen. When you and I get to that place where we can believe God for the impossibilities that come up in our life, then we will see Him do incredible things for us. But that, they're, they're, that you know, we have to we have to believe Him for those things. Amen. See to the to to the Father. You remember when that man brought the demon possessed boy to the Lord, and 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 the disciples couldn't cast him out, and this was an impossible situation, and 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 this man said to Jesus. Jesus, Lord, I brought my son to your disciples and they tried, but they couldn't cure him. And he said to the Lord, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus turned it right around to him. Jesus didn't say to him, well, I can do anything. But Jesus turned it around to him and said, if you, it's back on you. Come on, somebody. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And I I still believe that is true today. See, you take the problem. If you would take the problem, you think about the problem that you have, that you're facing in your life right now, and you double that, and then double it again, and then double it again. I'm, I, I, you know it's a huge problem, but God has still got the answer, and He can still solve that problem. Jeremiah said of the Lord, he said, oh, Lord God, in Jeremiah 32, 17, he said, God, he said this about God. He said, God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, and there is nothing too hard for you. We need to get a hold of that today and understand that our God, there is nothing too hard for him. Church, we need to stop acting like, we need to quit acting like God is dead or that God has gone out of business, amen? We need to start believing him and understanding that there's no problem that he cannot solve in our life. Give him your problems, bring them to him, trust in him. He has compassion on you. He wants to meet your need today. He is able to do what nobody else can do in your life and do for you. So that's lesson number one, that God, there's not a problem that you have that your God can't solve. He can solve the problem. He has the answer. But the second lesson from this, from this little miracle was, is this, that there's never a person too small for God to use. Oh, man. 
There's never a person too small for God to use. And somebody needs to hear this this morning because when I was, when I was preparing this, I just really was feeling this. But uh, see, Jesus, Jesus asked the disciples, okay, when they said, we get 200 penny worth, we don't have the resources. He said, well, what do you got? He wasn't worried about what they didn't have. He's concerned about what you got. See, see, that's the problem. We're, we're too worried about what we don't have. And Jesus is saying, look at what you do have. And t- if you take what you do have and put it in my hands, I can do something with what you do have. Oh, hallelujah. They said, what do you have? And they said, well, we've got, we got five loaves and two fish. Now, when John, John gave this account in his gospel in John chapter 6, he revealed the fact that it was a little boy that had lunch. He had brought his sack lunch with him. And his mama had packed him a lunch. <laughs> and he had five barley biscuits and two sardines. That's what he had. How do you know they're sardines? Well, I don't know they were sardines, but they were, it said they were little fish. Well, the sardines are little fish. Maybe they were anchovies. I don't know what they were. But they were... <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they were small. Maybe, maybe, Brother Dave, maybe there were some of the bluegill that I catch. Maybe that, because they were little fish. They were little fish. That's all we know. But, but five little barley biscuits and two little bitty small fish, and they stress the fact that the fish were small. And they said that, that, that it's a little lad here, and he's got this in his lunch. And, but what are these? This was, the, this was what, what Philip said. What are these things among so many people? But there's no, listen, there's no problem too big for God to solve, and there's no person too small for God to use. Because here's a little lad, a little boy, a little insignificant person. We don't even know what his name is, but he takes his little sack lunch and he gives it to Jesus. And when he took what he had and gave it to Jesus, then there was a recipe, that was a recipe for a miracle to take place. When he transferred, see, see, see Jesus can only use what you and I will surrender to him. He can only do something with what we will give to Him. You know, people say, well, I want to be used by the Lord. Well, He wants, He can use you, but you've got to give yourself to Him and transfer your life over into His hands. People are saying, you know, well, I don't know. Why won't the Lord use me? Is there anything for me to do? And then the enemy says, you know, well, you're too insignificant. You're too small. You don't have the talent. You don't have the ability. And and if you could only do this or this or this or this, if I could only just do something great for the kingdom of God. Listen to me, church. Don't be concerned about doing something great. Just take take your life and put it in the hands of the master and say, here I am, Lord. You just take me and what I have and you use me in whatever way you can use me to do the work of the Lord. Amen? You take your little and transfer it to Jesus. Then Jesus will take it and he will touch it and he will transform it to bless the multitudes with it. Amen? All you got to do is give it to the Lord and let him take it and use it. Now I have saw people too big for God to use, but I've never saw anybody too small for God to use. Are you with me? Amen? 
That's the way it works in the kingdom of God. You know the way up in the kingdom is down. <laughs> you know, as we humble ourselves, then we'll be exalted and lifted up. And uh, the way up is great. You know, he gives grace to those who are humble. But there's never anybody that's too small for God to use. And as a matter of fact, God enjoys doing that. God delights in taking small, insignificant things and small, insignificant individuals and people and using them for His glory. And it's been that way. Listen, all through the Word of God, that's the way that it always was. God always took the insignificant, the weak instrumentalities. And He even said that. Paul said that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that God doesn't choose the wise or the mighty or the strong or the powerful, but He chooses the base things and the weak things and the insignificant things. And I'm paraphrasing and that. But he said that he takes those weak instrumentalities and puts his grace upon them and his anointing and his power upon them. Why? Why does he use people like that that are insignificant? He said so that no flesh would glory in his presence. See, he doesn't want any of us standing up here saying, this is what I can do. I'm the one that does this. You know, Nebuchadnezzar got in a heap of trouble as, as the king of Babylon when he walked and he looked at that great city and he said, you know, he began to brag about it and he said, this is the great city Babylon that I have built and I have done this. And boy, it wasn't long. He was out and he was tied up out in the backyard eating grass. Come on, somebody. Amen. He lost his mind until he lost his mind until he realized that God was the only one that he could give credit to for everything that he does. Amen. And so that's the way it is with us. And all through the Bible, the Lord has used that which is small and that which is weak and that which is insignificant. When nobody else could kill Goliath, God had a little shepherd boy with a slingshot and five smooth stones, amen, to go out and meet the giant and defeat the giant, amen. When God had a thousand Philistines to be destroyed, he had one man by the name of Samson that picked up just a little old jawbone piece of a jawbone of a donkey and God put his spirit upon that and used him to kill a thousand Philistines and win a mighty victory. Amen? When he wanted to get the children of Israel across the Red Sea, he had a man by the name of Moses that all he had in his hand was a staff, a rod and God said to him, what you got in your hand? He said a rod he said, stretch it out over the sea. God knows how to take the little ones, the little things, the insignificant things and turn it into something great for him and for his glory and for his honor. Amen. Give the Lord a praise, church. Woo. See, don't ever insult God by saying, well, God can't use me. Because there's no person too small for God to use. If God, God could take this little boy's sack lunch of, of a few biscuits and a few small fish, then God can use you too right where you are and with what you have if you will just transfer it to the Lord and give it to Jesus. See, that's all he's waiting for. That's what he's waiting for. Is just that, 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 listen, that little, that little sack lunch of that little boy wouldn't have done anybody any good. It would have got done the little boy some good. It would have fed him, but the rest of those thousands of people would have had nothing to eat. But when he surrendered what he had, 
had into the hands of the Lord, God was able to bless it and multiply it and use it to bless a multitude of people. Let me tell you this church sitting right here on this hill, God, we're an insignificant group, but can I tell you if we'll surrender ourselves totally and completely and 100% to the Lord Jesus Christ, put ourselves in his hand, sell out totally to him. He will take us. He will transform us. He will use us. He will empower us. And he will multiply us to feed multitudes with the bread of life. Can I get an amen in this house? But it all begins with commitment. It all begins with surrender. Boy, boy, boy. I could have preached all day and not used that word. Surrendering to him. Take something to take your... Now, I'm hungry. I can eat these biscuits or give them away. Thank God he gave them away. Gave what he had to Jesus. You get the point? So there's no one that's too small for God to use if we will just look to Him and believe Him and trust Him. I've got something else there, but I'm going to save that for another sermon. So there's, there's no problem too big for God to solve, and there's no, there's no person too small for God to use. And thirdly, there's never a hunger that Jesus can't satisfy. Mm. See, that's the lesson that we learn here. There's never a hunger that Jesus can't satisfy. When they gave him that little boy's lunch, he took it. This is the part I guess I'll preach later because I don't have time today. But he took it and he put it in his hands, the little lunch... And he looked up and he blessed it. And then he gave thanks for it. Hmm. There's another message. He wasn't complaining about, well, wish we had a lot more in this. He's thanking the Lord for what he had. And he gave thanks and then just began, he had the disciples to have everybody sit down in groups of 50s and 100s out there on the grass, get everybody organized and in place. And then he just began to break off a piece of biscuit and hands them to the disciples. I don't know how this miracle happened. I wish I could have been there and seen that. I'm going to ask Jesus to show me the video when I get to heaven. (laughs) Amen. But he's breaking it off and and distributing it to the disciples. And the, the disciples are going out distributing it to the people a row at a time, and they're just passing it down. And the more Jesus hands them, and they hand it out, and it just multiplies, and it multiplies, and it multiplies until everybody had plenty to eat. And it said that they all ate, all these 5,000 men plus their families, all ate, and it said that they were all filled. They had all they wanted. I like, I like that. I claim that verse when I go to the buffet. I claim that verse. Hallelujah. Don't go to those buffets. You'll overeat. Jesus fed them till they was filled. He didn't give them just a little bit. 
That's a, I just had to throw that in. I don't know. But listen, they were all filled with natural bread. They were hungry for natural bread. And they were satisfied and filled with natural bread and natural food. But when Jesus left that place, sent them away and He left, if you'll study this out, take the time to study it out, they continued to follow Jesus looking for more bread. Jesus, and Jesus teaches them a great spiritual lesson here. And this part of it's found in John's record of this miracle. Because when they followed Jesus, they continued following Him, they wanted some more of that miracle bread, that, that natural bread. They, was, they, they knew they was going to get hungry again. They wanted their material needs met. And Jesus said to them in John 6, 26, listen to what He said. When they're following Him, He said, Jesus answered to them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you're seeking Me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. That's the reason they were seeking Him. But then He said in verse 27, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. What was Jesus saying here? Jesus was saying that the priority in these people's lives and the priority in our lives must be on spiritual things and not a priority on physical things. See, that's the very thing Jesus taught in Matthew 6.33 when He said, Seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. He just told them not to worry about, about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear and all those things. He said, God, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, He'll take care of all those things. And so that's what Jesus is giving them here, a priority that must be on spiritual spiritual things. See, these people were following the Lord now. They were seeking after the Lord, which was the right thing for them to do, but they're doing it for the wrong reason. Oh, come on now. Somebody help me here. This is the, maybe the most important part of this message because they were following and seeking the Lord. That was good, but their motive, what motivated them to seek the Lord was not right. And Jesus was trying to let them know that. See, today, there are, there are so many today that want the Lord just, just because of what He can do for them. They're like these people. They want to follow the Lord so He can help them and bless them. That, you know, that's good if they want to follow the Lord, but we're not. Listen to me, church. We're not following Jesus today just for the loaves and the fishes. We're not following Jesus today just so He can give us material things. We're not following Jesus today so He can make us wealthy and rich and fill our coffers with money. I know it's getting quiet in here now. Amen. Does the Lord want to bless you and provide? I've already talked about that. Yes, He does. But our motivation for following Jesus should be and must be because we love Him and we want Him more than we want anything else in this world. World. Amen. It's the benefits that do, there are benefits that do come for following.
following the Lord, but you can't follow him today for the loaves and the fishes and just for what you can get out of him because if that's your motivation, as soon as that runs out, you will stop following Jesus. And I've seen people do it. Seen people do it. You have too. Seen people get in church and God, they have a great need. God meet it. And then it's, adios. Oh, I didn't mean to kill the service. <laughs> Amen. See, what had happened was they misinterpreted the miracle of Jesus. They misinterpreted this miracle to mean that Jesus would supply all of their lusts and all of their wants. And James talked about that in the fourth chapter of James when he said, you know, we, you have not because you ask not, but then you, you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss or with wrong motives so that you can consume it upon your lust. And we got whole bunches of people today that they think that coming to church and living for the Lord and, and becoming a Christian is their ticket to, 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 to natural wealth, to millionaire status to never having another problem, never facing another need. But we do have needs, and we do have problems. But God's a problem solver. Are you listening to me? Amen? See, it looked like they were seeking Jesus, but they were actually, actually seeking their own interests, what Jesus could do for them. They needed, what they needed more than they needed natural bread was, they needed their spiritual hunger satisfied. That is what they needed. Because listen, yeah, we have material needs. We have financial needs. We have, we have physical needs. But listen, what you and I need more than anything is to have our spiritual hunger satisfied. Our spirit man has a hunger as well. And Jesus was saying to these people, He was saying, I am to your spirit what bread is to your body. Is that making any sense? Jesus was saying, look, you're following me because you ate the bread. But He did not commend them for that because He knew that they needed something more than just natural bread. And so He began in John 6 then to talk to them about spiritual bread and about feeding on Him for their spiritual hunger and satisfying that spiritual hunger. And that should be a great lesson for you and I today because the one purpose of everything that we do as a church, the one purpose here at Abundant Life Family Church that we must have is to give people spiritual bread, to give them the bread of life, which that bread is the Lord Jesus Christ. We, that must be our priority, amen? That must be what drives us and what moves us is to bring other people into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe in feeding hungry people natural bread. I believe that the church should take that responsibility and help those who are hungry and who are in need. But we should never feed hungry people natural bread as a substitute for the spiritual bread or for evangelism. Amen? 
We've got to, we've got to make sure that they're not following just for what we can give them materially, but we've got to give them what they really need, and that is the bread from heaven. For man shall not live by natural bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. Hallelujah. If we feed the hungry and don't tell them about Jesus, said if we feed the hungry but we don't tell them about Jesus, all we're doing is making a better world for them and a better place for them to go to hell from. Amen? Praise God. Jesus is the spiritual bread. And he said, do not labor for food, the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. There's only one, there's only one that can satisfy your hungry soul and the hungry soul of the world, and that's Jesus. Somebody said, you know, there's a, there's a vacuum, there's an empty spot in, some, in everybody's heart that only Jesus can fill that and satisfy that. They can try drugs and alcohol and illicit sex and all the things of the world to try to satisfy that desire. They can feed upon the bread of this world. But you know what? There's only one can satisfy that longing soul, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder maybe the reason that so many within the church today don't seem to have a, a, a great hunger for the Lord is maybe because we've already filled up on the world's bread so much that there's not a hunger for the things of God like we need to have. If there was one thing that I would pray this morning, yeah, I want God to be there to meet your impossible situation. I want God to be there to solve your problem that can't be solved. Amen. I want God, I want you to yield yourself to the Lord so that God can use you in this church and to reach this community. But you know what? I think the most important thing that I want the, would like the Lord to do in my life and in yours would be to make sure that we have such an insatiable thirst and hunger for Jesus like we've never had before. That we hunger more for the things of the Lord. Hunger more for the things that God... God has for us, amen, and get more of Him. Do you, do you know, worship team, you can make your way back. Do you know what? That you and I have just as much of the Lord as we want to have. You know, we can sit around and we can say, boy, I wish I had more of Jesus. But just sitting around and wishing that won't, won't, won't make it right. It won't make it happen. You and I have as much of God as we want. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, I was just reading those this morning, in Matthew chapter 5, He said, Blessed are those, they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. James said, if you draw nigh to God, God would draw nigh to you. So we're, we have as much of the Lord in our lives as we're hungry for. And I wish today that here all of us at Abundant Life would have that greater hunger for more of the bread from heaven.